And welcome on in to the Zach Gelb Show right here on CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey in for Zach on this Thursday. A very big happy Thursday to you. One more day before the weekend. Appreciate you kind of getting closer there to the weekend by spending it with us right here on CBS Sports Radio. We got the news right about 24 hours ago exactly. Now, the Angels are taking Shohei Otani off the market and are going to keep him to make a playoff push and going all in to make the postseason for Otani's first time in his career. And you know what that move is? That 100% is the absolute right move by the Angels. I don't think they should have traded him. I think they are doing the right thing by holding on to him, adding pieces like they did today in trading for White Sox starter Lucas Giolito, and going for it. Absolutely going for it. A few reasons why I think this is the right move. Number one, trading Otani never actually made sense to me. Because here's what I can never wrap my head around. What are you getting back for right now the best player in baseball? He's a two-month rental. He was going to be a free agent right after the season. And he is going to sign the largest free agent contract in MLB history. He is going to sign an historically big contract with somebody. So whoever you trade Otani to at the deadline, the Orioles, been rumored. The Rays at one point had their name in the mix. The Dodgers are always a team that people you know, are talking about. The Yankees, you name it. Whatever team that quote-unquote was interested in possibly trading for Shohei Otani, what are you giving up? To go get a guy that you know is about to head into free agency and be, or become, I should say, the highest paid player in MLB history. You're not giving up a lot. If you're trading for him, you're going for it, and right, you're not going to take ML, you know, major league talent off your roster because you need that to go make a playoff run. Like you're making, you're getting Otani to go win a World Series. You're not going to bite off your nose to spite your face by, you know trading your best player at the major league level in order to go get Shohei Otani. And you're not going to give up any top prospects because, again, he's a two-month rental that's about to sign for record money. So the odds that whatever team trades for him that they resign him are very slim. So you're never going to get major league talent if you're the Angels, and you're never going to get legitimate prospects back in a trade anyway. Why would you do it if you're the Angels then? What sense did it actually make to trade Shohei Otani? And if you don't believe me that they're going to get nothing back on a trade, I got a pretty trusted, pretty well-informed guy that said the same thing I just said. How about Tom Verducci? Ever heard of him? Pretty well-respected writer, Fox reporter, MLB guru. He was the first one to break the story yesterday that the Angels took Otani off the market. And he said, quote, A source familiar with those talks said teams are offering minor league players and not their top prospects. Right from the words, or I should say right from the mouth, excuse me, of Tom Verducci, that teams interested in Otani were not given anything of value up to go get him. So what's the point? If you're the Angels, your options were then keeping him? Or trading him for, what, two players, three players? 
four players that won't get past double A. Those are your two options. So it makes all the sense in the world, even if you might lose them, even if you might miss the playoffs, it makes all the sense in the world to go for it, to keep Otani, and to make a playoff run. See what happens. And you see what happened today? I'd argue that's the right move. Otani pitched game one of a doubleheader against the Tigers. Complete game shutout. Game two, home run. Angels win the day and night cap of the doubleheader. Three games now out of a wild card spot. They are right there. Three games out of a playoff spot with still two months of baseball to go. I like the odds and I like the idea of the Angels going for it, making a run, and trying their best to capitalize on having two of the best players in baseball on their team. I get it slim. Like, you look at fan graphs right now going into today. I think it may change a little bit, but I haven't been able to update it since they won both games today. But at least going into today, so you still have an idea of where it's at. Um, fan graphs gave the Angels a 15.5% chance of making the playoffs. Not great. Not great whatsoever. But here's what I know for a fact is a lower percentage than that 15.5. There's a less of a there's lesser of a chance, I should say. Sorry about that bad English there. Lesser of a chance the prospects the Angels get back pan out to be, forget about stars, major league contributors in whatever you get back in an Otani trade. You are trading him for nothing. Prospects rarely work out, especially when you're getting eight, nine, tenth rated prospects for a guy again who's the best player in baseball. So the, the the decision for the Angels was very simple. Trade Otani for prospects that are not going to make it past double-A or keep him make the playoffs. They absolutely, absolutely made the right decision. What do you think? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. It is Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gale right here on CBS Sports Radio. I just don't see how anyone can be upset right now unless you truly wanted Otani on your team and you're just being a homer because you want your team to get him. How anyone can think the Angels right now made a bad decision in keeping Shohei Otani. Look at recent history. Baseball has shown you as long as you just make it in the playoffs, as long as you just get in the dance, anything is possible. I know it's corny. I know it's cliche. But baseball has truly lived out that motto now time and time again over the last few years. Look at last year. The Phillies at this point in the season were awful. They were garbage. They got hot in September and made a run all the way to the World Series. No one right here sitting on July 27th, 2022, ever would have said with 10 guesses in the National League, the Phillies are the one that's going to be in the World Series. They got hot at the right time. They beat the Dodgers, or I should say they beat the Braves, excuse me. They beat the Padres. They beat good teams and made a run to the World Series. The Braves, at the All-Star break in 2021, two years ago, were under 500. That year, what they do? What did they do? Won the World Series. The Nationals, 2019, off to a horrendous start to the season. Won the World Series. Baseball has shown you, all you got to do is get hot at the right time, 
And truly, anything can happen. If you're the Angels, and you have right now the MLB leader in home runs, in triples, in walks, in slugging, in total bases. Oh, yeah, by the way, that same guy, Shohei Otani, 3.71 ERA, fourth in total strikeouts, just through a complete game shutout a few hours ago. You have that guy on your team along with, hopefully assuming he gets back in a few weeks here, Mike Trout. You arguably have two of the best players in baseball on your team. You bolster your pitching staff with the addition of Lucas Giolito. You really tell me the Angels are for sure not a force to be reckoned with? They're not going to be a problem? That's a risk if I'm the Angels I'm willing to take. I want to see Otani. I want to see Trout in the playoffs. And that's me if I'm the Angels. And you say, what is the greater likelihood? We make the World Series this year? Or the prospects we trade Otani for pan out? Without a doubt, the World Series odds are way higher than the chances of those prospects you get back in a trade from whatever team wants to trade for Otani panning out and just being everyday MLB contributors. So it's very simple. The Angels did the right thing here. They're keeping Otani. They're hoping Trout comes back sooner rather than later. They are adding to their team, not subtracting. They are going for it. And in going for it, that is 100% the right move to make. Also, too, think about this from a fan perspective. Mike Trout has been in the playoffs one time in his life, 2015. Or 2014, excuse me. They were swept in that series against the Royals. Mike Trout has never had one playoff win in his career. The last time the Angels won one playoff game, 2009. So if anything, if you're Artie Moreno, the owner of the Angels, you owe it to your fans just to have them for one day in October celebrate a playoff win. They have the longest or tie for the longest, I should say, playoff drought in baseball. It's been since 2014. We're going on a decade now. Give the fans something to cheer for. Give the fans something to hope for. I think to me... That is more valuable and more worth it than trading Otani for nothing and then seeing them sign a record deal somewhere else. Which also, by the way, really fast here, I don't think it's impossible for the Angels to re-sign Otani. I don't know why everyone's writing Anaheim off like, oh, they're, you know, Otani's gonna be gone once he hits for agency. Artie Marino has spent money. He has paid Mike Trout a ton of money. He has paid. Anthony Rendon, a big-time deal. I know he's trying to sell. I know he's been a guy that maybe looking to get out of the game. But I would bet if you're Moreno, one way to help sell your team, make it a little bit easier, keep Shohei around. I promise you this, the value of the Angels and prospective bidders will increase if you sign Otani to a big-time deal and he's going nowhere for the next decade. So it makes all the sense of the world if you're the Angels to not only keep Otani, but resign him at the end of the year. So I'm curious your thoughts here. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. You look at it, Shohei Otani, in terms of just strictly MLB trade deadline, would have been the best player in MLB history to ever be traded at the deadline. 
The Angels said, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to keep him. Is that the right move? Did the Angels make the right move in keeping Otani and making a playoff run? They're three games out of the playoffs right now. Or should they have traded him and try to get as much as they possibly can? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Love to hear your thoughts right now on the future of the Angels and do they make the right move and keep an Otani. Also do when we return. Sean Payton had some explosive comments today. We're talking to USA Today. He's pretty confident in the future of the Broncos. Are the Broncos a team in the NFL that are going to make the playoffs this year after missing them last year? I think four teams are going to do that. Four teams that missed the playoffs last year will make them this year. Are the Broncos one of the four? I'll tell you when we do return. It's Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gell right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Ryan Hickey Show. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb on CBS Sports Radio. Chris Hess doing a great job producing and filling in for me today on this Thursday. Really quick, Chris, rapid trivia. Your favorite song right now is what? Best song of all time, maybe, I should ask. But I know, I'm sorry, I apologize. I changed the question. I'm screwing up trivia. Your favorite song of all time is what? Bob O'Reilly by The Ho. Okay. In terms of karaoke, in terms of a song that I will scream and shout at every time, this is it. Fair. The I, Killers. I, oh, Mr. I think Brightside. That's, I think that's very fair. We're going to let it play in the background. But more, actually, no, I'll bump it up just a little bit. Jealousy. I think there's a reason why you're probably not on American Idol, but sure, that <laughs> works. But if we're talking, <laughs> Bob O'Reilly for me has deeper meaning, so that's why I won't. It's a long, long story. But if we're going to go on the karaoke path, I will go with either Piano Man by Billy Joel or New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. Wow. New York, New York. You want to slow it down, huh? Yeah, because I know how to get under people's skins while out in Pennsylvania. Wow. And that's one way to do it. That is definitely one way to do it. This is, I mean, I don't. if you're at a bar or at a party or anywhere in a car and this song comes on, I don't know how you're not just blasting up to 100. Oh, you do Windows it. down. Absolutely. Screaming the lyrics. That's got, that is an absolute given anytime Mr. Brightside comes on. If you're not doing it, then what are you doing? Well, I love her, but not to call her out here. My girlfriend. Not that she hates the song. Strongly dislikes the song. That's a shame. Eye roll anytime it comes on. Overplayed is the word she says. That's, I mean, that's grounds for a breakup, I think. It's close. It's close, Chris. It is, boy, yeah. She's does not know what you talk about sometimes. Let me, let me tell you. That is, I'd argue, grounds for a breakup. That's for sure. Okay. Back to sports. Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. The Angels did not trade Shohei Otani. I would argue the best player to ever be traded at the deadline if it went down. They instead kept him. Is that the right move? 855-212-4227. I think so. I absolutely think so. You keep Otani. You go make a playoff run. You try to win a playoff game for the first time since 2009. Get Otani in the playoffs for the first time ever. And see if him, Trout, now you add Lucas Giolito. See if you can do what the Phillies did last year, make a surprise one in the World Series. Do what the Braves did two years ago, make a surprise World Series victory. And cash in on, I don't say the randomness, because that's like almost discrediting teams that make surprise runs, but baseball playoffs are truly wide open. Cash in on that. If I'm the Angels, I think they made the right move. How about yourself? 
Mike is calling from Baltimore. What's up, Mike? Hey, how you doing? Good, buddy. What's on your mind? Hey, look, I mean, I don't really think, I mean, it's not like the Angels really made such a great move. They didn't have a lot of people beating down their door that's going to trade away all their prospects or whatever for a rental. I mean, you know, you, 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 you trade away prospects and whatever, and then, you know, it's just a rental because, you know, he's a free agent. So I don't think they had people beating down their door that was going to give away all of that. It not, I mean, it would be different. It would be like the NBA, like a sign and trade, like a – you know, if they was if the Angels signed them and didn't trade them, so you know the team would know that they would get them. But I mean, like the Orioles, we weren't really in this seriously in it, you know, to get Otani. But I don't think anybody was really beating down their door to to, to, to trade away, you know, all their prospects for a potential rental. You know, right? And nor Mike, do I think teams should have. Like I think you should have right. held on to your right. top prospects or right. your top MLB talent because, like I said, he's there in two months. And anything short of World Series of failure, and then all of a sudden you're looking at a guy that's going to sign the richest contract right. in MLB history, and you can't so, feel good no matter what team you are that you're going to sign that deal. Exactly. So it's not like the Angels was like, wow, well, well, they came to their senses and they kept them all. Like well, they did. I would say, Mike, they had interest. Like they were. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I know we're kind. Of, we're not saying every team was breaking down their door that's in playoff contention right. trying to get right. him. It wasn't a bidding war, but there were teams that were interested for sure, and oh, yeah, their options. That was interested. And I think people but, were. Not pressuring them, but there was definitely a lot of talk yeah. of trading for prospects and, you know, get something because everyone's afraid of you're going to lose them for nothing. Exactly. exactly. I'd rather lose so. them for nothing and go for it, Mike, than get two scrubs that will see at double-A. Maybe one gets past triple-A. No one really, con- you know, give you any sort of contributions. And then basically you're left with nothing anyway. Right. Yeah, but like I said, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it worked both ways. I mean, the Angels, you know, and also, like I said, the fact that, you know, people wasn't going to trade away this world for a, a potential rental, you know. Right. And that's as great as he is, you know, for having, for, you know, a few months of the season and then losing. And then your, your farm is bereft. <laughs> right. Right. So, and then you're kind of yeah. back, you know, kind of licking your wounds there if it doesn't work out. I appreciate the call, Mike. It's just one of those things where I'd rather load up in the offseason and try to get him than kind of, go all in now, have him for two months, and then probably lose him. So I get, yes, it wasn't a 20-team race to get Otani, and the Angels, you know, weren't turning down these great offers. I understand it. There was, I think, a lot of pressure nationally and overall that the the Angels can't lose Otani for nothing, and they should trade him to get something back because something's better than nothing. That, to me, is foolish. They did the right thing. This is an interesting tweet. And Ryan underscore Hakey in the number three. I'm going to assume Joshua Brown here is dead serious. I know it's Twitter. I know it's dangerous to assume. Let's assume he is being 100% real, not facetious at all. He tweets, if I were the Angels owner, I'd fire the GM, then hire myself as the GM, then trade Otani for two veteran scrubs. Then I'd have open tryouts to replace Otani, then I'd relocate the team to Nashville and change the name to the Nashville Tax Havens. Seems legit. Chris, I mean, look, if I was Artie Moreno, I'd hire him. This fella is out here trying to play 4D chess with everybody. That, to me, sounds like a a guy who's, right, playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers. That is just, that is absurd. That is crazy. But I love it. If he does, you think you can make the team? 
you're pretty young. You're pretty athletic. You graduated college, what, last year? Uh, fall of 2021, so about a year and a half. Okay, so you're still in your prime, though. You know, we, I'm, I hate to say this. I'm going to really date myself here. I'm 29 years old. I, it's going to really sound bad. Over the weekend, let's just say, I dislocated my finger swimming in a pool. Uh, we played Bottle Bash. You ever heard of Bottle Bash on the beach? No, I have not. You have a ski pole in the sand, and on top there's a little um, flat surface you put, like a plastic bottle, and you throw the Frisbee, and your goal is to throw the Frisbee, knock the bottle off the ski pole. You get points if it drops, but also you're on, if you're on the other side and you're trying to, you know, you try to catch the Frisbee um, and prevent the bottle from dropping. So it's an aggressive game. It's a fun game. You're throwing the Frisbee, you're catching the Frisbee, you're making diving plays. Long story short, I was in a pool all weekend and, and playing on the beach. I woke up Monday morning, finger dislocated. My lower back is in shambles. It's been sore all week. I stubbed my toe um, on rocks. My body's hurting. So long story short, at 29 years old, I'm past my prime. I could not try out for Joshua's Angels team to try to play Shohei Otani. I wouldn't make it. So you're still in the prime, 23 years old. You could do it. What are we doing? Making it? Probably not. What's the prime position? Outfield? Shortstop? Pitcher? Uh, I was a first base and catcher, and okay. I played a little bit of outfield and pitched two innings. But I will say this. I went up to Cooperstown with my dad and one of the other assistant coaches from the high school team that I helped out with. And we had a good time up there. Got to see the Hall of Fame. Got to do all this stuff. But there was this one little area by Doubleday Field that they have a radar gun. Okay. I wanted to see. I have not thrown, mind you, I have not thrown off a mound or thrown that hard in years. And I'm talking years. So I was like, all right, let's see what happens. My first throw, my dad yells, 73. And what was it? 73. Wow. I topped out at 77 with minimal warm-up time. But a 77-mile-an-hour fastball against pros is going to get absolutely clobbered. In fact, 77 is probably the preferred batting practice speed. So I was also not the best hitter uh, when I played. So my chances, I'd say, are very slim. Maybe the only thing I can do is be a bullpen catcher. That's about it. My friend's dad was a bullpen catcher for the Mets back in the day. You talk about ideal job. I always thought it was the backup quarterback. You get paid a good amount of money to kind of hold the clipboard, and everyone always clamors for you when the starter sucks. But a bullpen catcher, man, you talk about a good lifestyle. You talk about living the good life of warming up pitchers. That's about it. Having a good time, hanging out with the fellows, having a few beers, I'm sure, after the game. That's a life. Be on an MLB roster, get a ring if they win a championship, wear the uniform, be on the field. Oh, that, I would like be, that would be sick. That would be absolutely amazing. But that ship has long sailed. I've played in two adult league games with my friend's team, and it's been a mess. But it is what it is. Joshua Brown, we're going to go on a limb here with a tweet about moving the team, trading Otani, scrubs, open tryouts. It sounds like he's trying to take the team. Joshua, get in contact. Christopher Hess, he's ready for you. 77 meatballs down the plate. He probably wants to this team to tank to the bottom. There you go. We found the pitching replacement for Shohei Otani, Chris Sass, let's get you out on a flight to L.A. And let's get you in an Angels uniform. Let's not do that because it's probably better for everybody else. All right. Well, no rookie of the year is what you're saying, huh? You're not going to fire a 100-mile-an-hour fastball from the stands? Unless I somehow, some way, get a bionic arm that I can program it to throw 100-plus, I-, I wouldn't bank on it. What could have been? What could have been? Okay, really fast here. I do want to, because of Sean Payton's comments today, and criticizing Nathaniel Hackett, basically calling you one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever seen, saying how the Jets are, right now, everyone's done, but they're not going to work out very well. Sean Payton took a blowtorch to the team last year, said Russell Wilson will be better, and defended the Broncos, thinks they're on a good path going forward here. I want to discuss this question really fast here. 
Which teams did not make the playoffs last year will make it this year? I think there's four teams right now that we will see back in postseason after missing it last season. The Broncos are one of them. I think Denver is going to make the playoffs this year. I'm with Sean Payton. I don't think Russell Wilson is cooked. I don't think he's physically washed up. This, to me, is a guy that was given too much power, didn't know how to handle it, but also, too, was just doomed by horrendous coaching. And obviously, we saw lasting only 15 games. Nathaniel Hackett was not made out to be an NFL head coach. I think now that you have a real adult in the room, Sean Payton, knowing what the hell he's doing, still having a quarterback physically in his prime, it still, still, still has, I should say, a lot to give. I think we'll see Denver big year this year, 12 wins, Back in the playoffs, they are making it after missing it last year and really having an embarrassing year last year. I'm also high in the Browns. I think the Browns, after an equally embarrassing year, albeit for different reasons, in 2022, I think they're going to bounce back, make the playoffs as well. Deshaun Watson is very talented. I know it's easy to forget and feels a little gross, I'll admit to admit, because of you know what happened off the field, but... This guy, when he's on the field in the groove, is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He didn't play in 2021. 2022, he, what, played seven games, five games, whatever it was, was clearly not, you know, still trying to work the rust off as well. I think we'll see in 2023 a very good Deshaun Watson. There's still a lot of talent on that defense. Love the offensive line. Love the run game that Cleveland does have. They are going to be... I think we can call them a surprise team because they're not getting a lot of attention so far this offseason. They, I think, will be back in the playoffs as well. So from the AFC, two teams that did not make the playoffs last year that will make it this year, Denver Broncos, Cleveland Browns, NFC. Here's a take for you. I think the Los Angeles Rams, to me, are the most overlooked team in the NFL going into this year. Look what they have coming back. I get it. Last year was bad. They were 5-12, and and they were irrelevant for most of the year. But they have coming back in 2023, Sean McVay, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, a healthy O-line, and a weak NFC conference. That screams to me playoffs. Not saying they're winning 11 or 12 games. And they're going to benefit in large part because the bottom half of the NFC is not great. It's gettable. So 9-8, and eight, I think, will absolutely get you a playoff spot. I think the Rams are definitely good enough to go 9-8 and eight bare minimum. They still have a lot of talent, and last year was more about injuries than it was just stinking. I know they traded away Jalen Ramsey, so they made a few moves that made it seem like maybe they're going to go back in the tank. But again, McVay, Stafford, Cup, Donald, healthy O-line, weak NFC. That, to me, screams playoffs. They'll be back. And finally, an obvious one, a darling of the offseason, if you will, the Lions. Troy Lions are getting back. I'm buying the hype. I loved how Jared Goff finished his second half of last season. I think that will carry into this season. They have an improved defense as well. Lions, I think, are not one of those teams that's going to be hyped now, only to disappoint during the season. We've seen that plenty of times where America's darling does not pan out the way they the way that we think they will. This, though, is not going to be the case. Lions will make the playoffs after just missing it last year. They are going to the playoffs. So four teams that did not make the playoffs last year that will make the playoffs this year. Lions, Rams, Broncos, Browns. How about yourself? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. At Ryan underscore Hickey. And the number three. We'll get your thoughts. Which playoff team right now do you think that missed last year? Is a lock. To get back this year, 855-212-4227. We'll get your thoughts on that. And one team I did not mention 
the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers put his money where his mouth is yesterday and taking a, a big-time pay cut in order to open up some cap space for the Jets to add some more talent. Does it equal a playoff spot for New York? I'll discuss why my answer is still no when we do return. It's Ryan Icke in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to The Ryan Hickey Show. I'm going to... Ryan Hickey in for Zach Gelb right here on CBS Sports Radio. We're going to go... We're going to get to the Jets here in a second. We're going to go way off the deep end for a second. You got to trust me here, Chris. I'm going to ask you... I'm going to answer the same question I'm about to ask you here. I promise it's going to lead to something. Are you a boobs guy or a butt guy? Straight to jail. Straight you. to jail. Straight you straight. I we're promise not answering you, this on air. I am okay, fine. I'll I'll answer myself. I got no problem. I am more of a butt guy personally. Plenty of guys out there are. There is such thing, I did not know this, as too big. Her royal thighness on I guess Instagram has uploaded videos of having a bodacious behind and breaking toilet seats. Sitting down. That is... It's a warning right there. That's insane. I don't know how that's possible. I don't know if I believe this. This is from the New York Post. This is like an actual, real publication. It's not some fake website. I don't know. Like, one of the hinges is ripped off the toilet. I don't know. That that might be... Hmm. That's interesting. If that's true, fellas, watch out. That's all I got to say. There's your tip of the day. There's your tip of the day from our friends right here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay. In all seriousness, back to the real world. Let's talk a little Jets here. I think it is fair to give Aaron Rodgers today a lot of credit. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say fair. It's, it's obvious. Aaron Rodgers deserves a lot of credit for what he did yesterday and taking a $35 million pay cut in order to really put his money where his mouth is and open up cap space for the Jets in order for them to be able to add players. Now, all of a sudden, we're seeing Dalvin Cook um, come to the Vikings, or I should say from the Vikings now, taking a free agent visit to the Jets this week. So one could assume maybe that's a, a very good landing spot for Dalvin Cook to South the New York Jets. So they're going to add more talent to their roster in what is obviously a massive, massive year for the New York Jets. Look, Aaron Rodgers up to this point and so far in the preseason has been a model citizen, right? He's been to OTAs. He has hung out with his teammates. He is doing the right thing monetarily by, again, giving back basically $35 million and restructuring his contract in order, so team, uh, so the team, I should say, has more cap space to use um, to sign players. He's done everything. Even you hear his head coach, Robert Sala, basically say, so far, this last few days with Aaron Rodgers has been everything he could have hoped for. Here's the New York Jets head coach. Here's the New York Jets head coach here on uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think it says a lot when when the best player on your football team and a Hall of Famer is is willing to to sacrifice something 
because he wants to win. Again, all commendable. Robert Sala's right. And I think if you're the Jets, especially with how the last few years have gone for the Packers with Aaron Rodgers and how difficult at times he has been and ornery and just completely shut off and ignoring the organization for large stretches of the offseason and seemingly looking like he'd be happier anywhere but in Green Bay. This has been a dream offseason. With that said, though, I don't think, for me, it changes my stance on how I view the Jets. I don't think the Jets are a playoff team. I don't think the Jets are anywhere near a Super Bowl team. And Aaron Rodgers so far having his offseason go the way it has and even giving back $35 million to truly show he's committed to winning, it's not changing that. Because giving back the money still does not change the two biggest areas that I think Rodgers is going to struggle in and the Jets are going to struggle in in terms of actually getting over the hump and getting back to the playoffs for the first time since 2010. Number one is this. Money's not changing the fact that Aaron Rodgers still in recent time has not been very clutch in the big game. That's a fact. Look how last year ended at home against the Detroit Lions. You win that game, you're going to the playoffs. That was a de facto playoff game on Sunday night football for the Green Bay Packers. At home, against your division rival in the Lions, you win, you're in. Aaron Rodgers was terrible. Terrible in that game, outplayed by Jared Goff at home, Packers go home without even making the playoffs. Year before that, at home, divisional round, you got the bye, 49ers coming to town, and you score seven points. You score a touchdown on the first drive of the game, right down the field, nothing after. He's not been good when the Packers needed him in these big moments the last few years. So I don't think that's all of a sudden now going to magically change because he's on a new team or is giving back $35 million. The Jets need Aaron Rodgers to be the best quarterback on the field each and every game in December, January, and February. He has not been that for the Packers. I don't think that's changing now going forward here in 2023 with his new team. That's number one. Number two, I'm still skeptical of how he's going to build chemistry with his new teammates. We saw last year especially, one of the biggest reasons why this Packers offense struggled was sure Aaron Rodgers hurt with a thumb injury, but also a large part was it, uh, a large part of it, I should say, was the fact that he did not mesh well with his wide receivers. He did not get on this, you know, get on the same page with Christian Watson for a while and Romeo Dobbs. There's a lot of young, inexperienced receivers that he was playing for the first time with. He did not adjust well. He did not build chemistry with them quickly. And I don't think that's really changing this year where, yes, it's still his offensive system now that he's going to the Jets and Nathaniel Hackett's the OC. He himself is not learning a new offense, but he wasn't learning a new offense last year and still couldn't get on the same page with his, with his you know, a few new players. I don't see how this year going to a brand new team, you know, the offense is the same. I don't see how all of a sudden now... You're gonna go. Um, you're gonna go to a new team and have it kind of click right away. I don't think this is gonna be a magical fairy tale ride with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets that everyone is kind of riding it up to be. I don't think they're gonna hit the ground running. 
I don't think there's a reason why, even though he's talking great about Garrett Wilson and how much now Garrett Wilson reminds him of Devontae Adams, it's easy to say that now in training camp. It's easy to say that now when he did, I think it was in either minicamp or OTAs, let's say back in June. Easy to say that in June. Very easy. How about, though, when it's week six? How about, though, when you have a pretty tough start to the schedule You're playing Buffalo, you're playing the Cowboys on the road, you're playing the Patriots, you're playing the Kansas City at the Broncos against the Eagles. That's a tough start to the season, six games. If you're two and four, are you going to be saying the same things about your young teammates? Are you going to be showing a different side of you that when things got rough last year, you didn't? Let's not forget, right? The Packers had a pretty rough middle of the season before they rallied late. In that middle of the season stretch, you had Aaron Rodgers going on Pat McAfee, calling for guys to be benched, calling for young receivers if they're not getting it to sit on, you know, cut reps. You're out. Rodgers did not show any patience with a lot of young, inexperienced teammates last year. The Jets have a lot of young, inexperienced receivers and skill players. I don't think Aaron Rodgers, when push comes to shove, if the Jets get off to a slow start, is going to all of a sudden now be Mr. Cool, Mr. Calm. Everyone, let's relax. Don't worry. I got this. Part of the reason, a large reason why I don't think the Jets are going to be a playoff team this year is because I don't think they'll respond to adversity very well. I don't think Aaron Rodgers now, someone who's never really been accountable in his career, is going to all of a sudden start accepting blame for the offensive struggles if there is some. All of a sudden say it's on me if the Jets are in a three-game losing streak. And I'll tell you this right now. Living here in New York City, but it's really kind of true for most fan bases in the NFL anyway, patience wears thin. It's great. It's a honeymoon right now. Everything Aaron Rodgers does, Jets fans are giving him standing ovation. He could go number one in the bathroom, and the Jets Jets fans will tell you that was the greatest number one I've ever seen. He can literally do no wrong. But just like last year, when Russell Wilson was getting similar treatment in Denver, as soon as the play starts to struggle, the fans start to grow contentious. The uh, the fans start to be frustrated. And those Denver fans turn quickly on Nathaniel Hackett, turn quickly on Russell Wilson, and turn quickly on that Denver Broncos team last year that ended up in a spiral at 5-12. As soon as Aaron, it could be game one. Aaron Rodgers goes three and out on the opening drive against the Bills. I guarantee you there will be some boost. Without a doubt. But you got off to an 0-2 start, a 1-3 start, a 2-4 start. All that joy, all that excitement, all that praise and glee that you have is gone. And I don't trust Aaron Rodgers to be the right leader that the Jets need him to be if the going does get tough. So it's great. Aaron Rodgers, commend him a lot for what he did yesterday. He put his money where his mouth is. He was showing he does care about being, you know, truly competing for a Super Bowl this year and is all in on getting that elusive ring number two. But it's all said and done. When the season actually starts, when the games are actually being played, The two biggest concerns I have with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers are still not solved by giving money back. He's still not been great late in the year, and he's still been a guy that 
When the going gets tough, blames others. And this is a young, inexperienced Jets team. And just like we saw last year, he was not afraid to point the finger at others. And I think if it gets bad, if it, the offense is struggling, I don't think he'll be shy to point the fingers at others. And usually when that starts happening, the decline does start. So the New York Jets, we just talked about it last segment. Teams that missed the playoffs last year, they'll make the playoffs this year. Broncos, Browns, Lions, Rams. Jets, for me, not one of those teams this year. They will be at home in January watching the playoffs. All right, when we do return, the Bengals and Joe Burrow got a scare today with a calf injury. It's just a calf strain, according to reports. It is all good. But when it comes to the irreplaceability of Joe Burrow, how many quarterbacks right now, if you had the ability to get any quarterback in the league, how many teams are saying, we're going to keep our own guy? I got three. I'll tell you who they are next. It's Ryan Icke in for Zach Gill on CBS Sports Radio.